This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEN. Welcome back, everyone, to episode 99 of Sporting Max. We're getting extremely close to that magic 100, the century mark. Will will our special 100th be Ali Blackburn, Kirsty Lamb, Su- superstar friend? Will it be Adam Gilchrist? Will it be Andrew Bogan? Who knows? They're all the names to come. But today, we've got a Western Bulldogs AFLW superstar in our hands on the show. She plays by co-host on the Kids Edition, Ali Blackburn, Kirsty Lamb. Kirsty, it's amazing, amazing to have you on for episode 99. How are you? I'm well, thanks, Max. Yourself? Yeah, yeah, I'm pretty good. Thanks. Big week for you. I mean, you guys are in your second week back training for the dogs at the moment. Yeah, we are. So, yeah, it's back. Um, just I think everyone's just starting to find their, their feet a little bit and you know, get back into pre-season. So, um, yeah, it's definitely uh, taking its toll on the body, trying to get back in and, yeah. um, you know, a, a big couple of weeks. But, yeah, it's, we're glad to be back in around the club. How are the younger girls keeping up with you, you sort of girls who have been in the Western Bulldogs program for, you know, sort of six to eight years now? Oh, they're doing it easy. Um, they, <laughs> they, uh, they come in very well prepared. We've obviously had a very short off-season, um, so everyone's kind of just kept training over this very short sort of two-month two, two month off-season and just sort of um, picked up where we left off, really. So, um, yeah, all the young girls are going really well. Um, we're a pretty young group still, so I think everyone's just sort of pumped to be back, and uh, I guess sort of round one is really not that far away when you think about it. Yeah, absolutely. Well, in the back end of that, um, and end of this season, sorry, in 2022, um, sort of the start of the year, you guys sort of started to pick up your form a bit and then in, we we're playing a bit of inconsistent footy throughout the season, um, unfortunately missing out on finals by one spot. How do you try and keep that consistency form going, especially with that short off-season break? Yeah, it's a, a bit of a tough one in a sense that obviously we've had expansion come in. So with four teams that, um, you know, naturally all, all teams lose a couple of players. So we've lost some of our um, our key players um, to other other clubs, but I think it provides a really good opportunity for some of our young girls to, to step up and um, take some real ownership and take their, their game to the next level. So I think for us, it's just around um, looking at some, some of those games, particularly in the back half where we really start to play some good football and, um, you know, work out what it was that we were doing well and um, continue that for for this preseason and just sort of identifying some of the game style and the game plan stuff that maybe didn't work last year and how we can kind of tinker with it to make it um, a little bit more sync this year across all three lines. So, um, you know, the girls are putting in the, the hard yards at the moment. Um, the coaches have, have stuck together and, um, you know, they've reviewed their coaching um, from the year and, and sort of looked at key areas that um, they think they can kind of change and, Hopefully that sort of stuff will filter back into to our girls around, you know, the knowledge of the game and the style of football that we want to play. So, yeah, from what I can see so far in the first couple of weeks, the girls have come back really fit. Uh, and, yeah, we're looking to, you know, take our game to the next level, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Now, can you tell me a bit about your childhood, Kirsten? You know, what was growing up kind of like for you? Did you play sport? How many sports did you play? Was, was footy a big thing for girls back then? Yeah, I was probably a bit of a tomboy growing up. Um, I played predominantly football and cricket, um, played a bit of basketball and netball as well. And once I started to get a little bit older and I couldn't play all four sports, I had to pick a couple and, yeah, picked footy and and cricket and um, was the only girl playing in both of those teams growing up. Um, So, yeah, I guess that's – I don't know any different. I, I had a bit of a different upbringing in the sense that there was no girls teams around um, at that age, not like there is uh, nowadays. So, yeah, I, I, I grew up sort of playing boys footy until I was about 12 or 13 when I got kicked out at, I think it was at the end of the 13s or 14s. And um, I guess that story has 
has been well known for a couple of um, AFLW players that there was just sort of nowhere to go um, once you, you hit that age group. So at that point in time, I kind of took football, uh, sorry, took cricket a little bit more seriously and um, I was playing some state cricket at, at the time. So and there, well, there was a clear pathway to play for your state and play for your country in cricket. So I chopped and changed. I found Diamond Creek Women's Football Club. Um, sorry, I played my juniors at Yarrambat Junior Footy Club and then found Diamond Creek, um, which was, you know, down the road, which had a senior women's team. So I started playing that at the age of, I think it was 15. Um, so, yeah, I, I chopped and changed with with football um, for my sort of teenage years because I put more eggs into to cricket. I wanted to have a good crack at that and, and try and play for my state um, or play for Australia one day. So, uh, yeah, I played a little bit of footy here and there, but I guess from a give or take the age of sort of 16, I really started to put some time and effort into my cricket career. Yeah, obviously you mentioned that, you know, there wasn't opportunities um, coming into uh, going in, going forward as you progressed. Um as a girl into, you know, AFLW like there is now the pathway. So can you explain to me how, when that opportunity comes in, um, I spoke about you about it with you on the kids edition last week, how um, you, you know, you, you embrace that opportunity, you know, a couple of girls like yourself, Bailey Hunt um, and Ali, you just go, you know what, there's this opportunity right here. Um, and, you know, you can, ju- you, how do you make that decision to, you know, leave cricket, which you mentioned you've put so many eggs in that basket since you were 16, to then make the move and go, you know what, footy's here, it's on the table, there's a pathway for all young girls, I'm going to be an example, I'm going to be a role model. Yeah, I guess it's a tough one. I think, you know, there's and there's even a lot of male footballers who have been very good at multiple sports and at some stage of your, your career you've got to pick one or the other because, you know, as you start to become more professional, it's, it's pretty hard to do both. And, you know, I was fortunate enough to do footy and cricket um, in the first year or two of AFLW um, and it's very challenging trying to sort of um, manage two careers I guess in two sports getting more and more professional every year so um, it's definitely challenging I think for me um, my cricket was very much on the crossroads I was although I was um, you know a state cricketer and and playing WBBL I really wasn't playing that much cricket Uh, I was sort of always 12th or 13th or um, you know not not playing uh, a heat which is obviously can be a little bit frustrating and um, you put so much time and effort into it to then not be playing many games It, it, it can be a little bit tiring so in the end I actually got delisted from both which um, sounds horrible and I hated it at the time because I, I love my cricket but at the same time it was almost a bit of a blessing in disguise because you know AFRW got brought forward a couple of years which just happened to work in my favour and um, you know I, I was as I said I was playing both footy and cricket for a season there and it was pretty easy for me just to hang up the the cricket spikes and, and keep the footy boots rolling. Yeah <laughs> so what was school like for you I mean and especially university I know you completed a degree in sort of physiotherapy starting your own um, sort of massage company can you take me through that? Yeah um, so I left school I went to Don Valley College um, up until year 10 and then um, I decided to make the the move across to Cedar which is um, a Sports Education Development Australia. So essentially it's a sports school and um, not that I wasn't you know, academic or anything at school. I just, I love my sport. All I want to do is is play sport and, and live and breathe it. So, um, you know, the fact that there was a sports college, it kind of made sense for me to, to sort of move across to there. And, um, you know, that particular school is almost like doing a year 13, um, yeah. but at the end of, you know, a three-year um course you essentially get um I think it was a sport and a certificate for in sport and recreation yeah. um or of sport and rec uh so although it was an extra year of school technically you come out of it um with a diploma so it wasn't the worst decision uh and then through that I, I 
I uh, ended up going to Vic Uni because they had quite a good link with Vic Uni and Bulldogs uh, sponsored by, by Vic Uni. So it kind of made sense to, um, to go to university there. So I did a Bachelor of Sports Science, Exercise Science, um, and that just kind of got my foot in the door. Did a little, little bit of placement with the men's program again, just very lucky to kind of have that connection and um, do some placement there. And through that, um, I then... I really like massage. I'm not sure yeah. what it is about it, but I just sort of love giving back to people and um, and treating people. So I went and did a diploma of remedial massage, original name. Um, but, yeah, I got a little little side business. Um, and, yeah, now I'm currently doing a, a master's of, of business as well. So I'm trying to maybe potentially go down the, the business um, side or sports business or sport management. So, um, yeah, I've done a fair bit of study. I'm obviously still studying and I think my master's will probably take me a few years. That's all right. Absolutely. Managing managing football too. So what's it like to manage, you know, cricket, football and also, you know, studying for a master's degree? Yeah, it's challenging. Um, there's not too much time in my my week where I get to spend time for myself, I guess. But um, I don't really know any any different. Um, I'm obviously working full time at the moment as well, so trying to sort of juggle full time work and and footy is challenging in itself. Obviously, the hours of, of in football are going up each year, so. Um, you know, I'm certainly heading towards the direction where I'm probably going to have to make a decision pretty soon um, around my career, um, particularly when I want, whether I want to be a footballer or continue sort of progressing my career out, outside of the game. And, um, you know, that's probably going to be the same situation for a number of players in the AFLW as we start to become more professional, which is obviously what we want. And we want to do more hours and we want to be athletes. So um, it's definitely challenging. I think it's important to have good em- employees. I've been very lucky to, to work in sport um, since I finished uni. So I've got employees. Who are, who are really good um, and understand, um, you know, the life I'm trying to live at the moment, I'm juggling yeah, yeah. multiple things. So, um, yeah, I'm very blessed to have, you know, good employers. So, yeah. So can you tell me about how you got an opportunity to play cricket with Melbourne Renegades? Yeah, well, I mean, obviously I was, I was state contracted um, for a number of years and uh, I was sort of in that phase where WBBL didn't exist um, and it, it, it went, I can't even remember what year it was now, where you always played um, naturally if you played state cricket, so play for Victoria, you'd play um, T20 for Victoria. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, we, we hit that time when I think it was a couple of years into the men's big bash, they then obviously decided to go down the same pathway for women. So, um, yeah, I was playing state cricket for Victoria, playing 2020s for Victoria, um, and then obviously WBBL came along and, um, you know, you, you played for your state and then all of a sudden we've got two teams in in Melbourne and, um, you know, you, you hope that you're going to play for, for one of them. Um, and, yeah, lucky enough, got sort of picked up by the Renegades um, with a number of my close friends at Victoria. Essentially the Victorian girls kind of almost got split in half um, some went to the stars and, and some went to the gauge. So yeah, I played a couple of years with, with Renegades, but as I said, I was I was probably contracted for for a couple of years and only played a handful of games. But um, I guess that experience was was a great one. I've got, you know, still some long-lasting friendships um from from that, I guess, that time or that era of my life. Yes, you were an all-rounder at the Melbourne Renegades. Can you take me through, you know, what your best ability was um on field? Was it batting, was it bowling, was it fielding? Um and, and what was your favorite aspect of um cricket as a whole? 
Uh, yeah, I mean, I always love the game. Um, for I'm pretty short. I'm not the tallest person, but I bowled uh, left arm pace. And, you know, I really loved just sort of hitting the wicket as, as hard and as fast as I could. Um, I was pretty erratic, which probably led to not playing too many games. So um, it meant that my fielding had to be spot on because if, um, you know, I think, think sometimes in T20 cricket, it's just such a short format of the game that you don't always necessarily get um, the overs that you like. So you might even just get picked as a, as a fielder. And that happened to me a number of times. I was picked. I was never going to bowl, but I was just going to run boundary to boundary and and um, clock up the Ks on, yeah, on the yeah. side of the ground. So, um, yeah, I think fielding was something that I always really enjoyed doing because I wasn't always necessarily bowling. So I took a lot of pride in my fielding and, and made sure that, um, you know, if there was one spot left on the team, who do you want? Well, we may as well have a, a decent fielder. So, um, yeah, I, I loved fielding. I loved running boundary to boundary. It was kind of, that was all I was really good for, I guess. (laughs) What what about your batting? Can you take me through your sort of batting technique and things like that? Oh, yeah, it's pretty average. Um, No, it wasn't too bad. I... um... Yeah, I was a bit of a pinch, a bit of a pinch hitter. Um, sometimes, uh, you know, I was often like, you know, 9, 10, 11, yeah. 12, whatever, um, 11, sorry. Um, at times I got thrown, you know, five or six if we were, um, you know, four for not many or five for not many and just try and come in and, and slug a few and, yeah. um, you know, that came off sometimes and sometimes it doesn't. But, um, yeah, I wasn't wasn't anything special with the bat. could hold the stick but um, just tried to hit him out of the park really yeah <laughs> how many times did you get caught out doing that oh many 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 Wait, times yeah more, more than you hit fours or sixes or oh probably yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, can, so can you take me through your draft process for um for the western bulldogs yeah sure can uh obviously that year um 2016 uh i was trying to make the decision whether i wanted to I was really battling with cricket in terms of like my enjoyment, um, as I said, was contracted, doing a lot of hours, but not necessarily playing. So um, I was really sort of battling with cricket, whether I wanted to keep playing the sport, um, knowing that I'm probably not going to play too much cricket, but at the same time, I I loved it. Uh, So 2016, I decided to um, take off to the UK and play a summer of cricket, hoping to actually just play some games because I I go a whole summer with without playing much cricket and it, it yeah. wasn't overly enjoyable. So I just wanted to get out of Melbourne, get out of Australia and, um, yeah, I went over to the UK to play cricket. But in turn, it meant that I missed the bulk of the footy season. Um, knowing that the draft was at the end of that season, they were going to pick people from in, in Melbourne, the VFLW at the time. And so it was an interesting choice of, in my life. I was like, do I stay in Melbourne and play a summer of, of winter of football and try and get drafted? Or do I try and revive my cricket career and, and make something of it? And I obviously chose cricket. And I think I played five games of VFLW in the, the back half once I got back from the UK. And um, yeah, I just sort of got, got lucky to get picked up on draft day. On draft day, I... Um, I was watching the draft because, you know, I, I'd nominated myself and was hoping that, you know, I, I get picked up and um, I, I saw all my mates getting drafted, you know, very high and very early and sort of got to pick 120 and I, I turned it off. I hadn't been picked yet. So I was like, bugger it, I'm, I'm not getting picked. There's not many <laughs> there's not many picks left to go for a start. So, yeah, I turned it off and I couldn't watch yeah. it anymore. And, um, yeah, had a mate or a good close family friend message me saying congratulations and I thought, oh, shit, maybe I've been picked here. I chucked it back on yeah, and, yeah. Um, yeah, pick 148. My name got called out, so just scraped in oh. um, last round. But, yeah, didn't even hear my own name get called out, so <laughs> that's one that I'll have to live with. Can you take me through that feeling of seeing that text message going, 
you know, wow, like I've been picked up. I'm going to play as a professional footballer or a professional athlete. Yeah, I remember it kind of like it was yesterday, to be honest. I was, I was driving a cricket training. Um, so uh, Emma Carney had been picked up a, a couple of weeks earlier um, for North Melbourne, as, uh, sorry, for Western Bulldogs as a priority pick. Um, and then also Jess Cameron or Jess Duffin now um, was also uh, picked up by Collingwood. So I was heading to, to training knowing that, you know, two of my best mates had, had been picked up and um, that I still hadn't hadn't got a spot yet. So, um, yeah, I was actually pulled over on the, the freeway as I was driving to training and um, checked my phone. And um, what actually Jess Cameron was one of the, um, she was the second person to, to message me. So, wow. yeah, close family friend. My parents were overseas, so they were struggling to kind of watch it at the time. So they cottoned onto it a little bit later as well. But, yeah, my family friend and, and Jess were sort of the two main people that, I found out from so I pulled over on the side of the freeway and chucked it on my, my phone and just caught the glimpse of my my name still on the screen um, wow. so yeah it was a pretty surreal day I mean the three of us go to cricket training because that's at the time that was our sporting career and um, you know just had our worlds turned upside down and, and we're now sort of dual sport athletes. Yeah absolutely so can you tell me about um, that first AFLW season for you, that pre-season training, um, all the work leading up to that season. Because, I mean, I remember sitting there, that, I think it was the first game of the season, maybe second game of that season, um, the very first AFLW season. I was sitting on the couch. I was watching you guys in Western Bulldogs versus Melbourne and Daisy Pierce and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was just an absolute, an absolute, like, it's one of the greatest rivalries in AFLW history. Yeah, I think obviously um, there are starting now to be some some good rivalries in in the game, and obviously Western Bulldogs and, and Melbourne Footy Club were um, the pioneers as such of of AFLW, and you know they had those um, I guess twilight matches or um, you know exhibition matches uh, for a couple of years leading into it. So you know they were the sort of the two clubs that were were well known for women's football just purely because AFL hadn't started yet. Um, so yeah, I think I'd I turn my brain back to sort of first year and um, it's a bit of a whirlwind to be honest you don't really remember too much about it because it was just so chaotic everyone was trying to find their, their feet yeah. um, you know we had our opening round on a Saturday night at Witten Oval and um, against Freo and it's a sellout uh, and you know I, I remember you know running or walking out of the race with Ali for, for warm-up and you've got people yelling your name and cheering for you and yeah, it was wow we just hadn't heard that sort of stuff before and you kind of stand and you look around Witten Oval and it's a packed house and you're like, well, what, like what's going on here? This yeah. is incredible. And, um, yeah, it was a very surreal feeling that first game and then to sort of get through the year, um, I think it was six games in the first year and, you know, how we've now progressed to 10 games a year. So, you know, the game's slowly progressing. But, yeah, I look back to that first year and, um, you know, it was the first of many so do you think at the moment there's a need for more games with an, an extra four teams coming into the league that there's a need for more games? I mean, you aren't going to get to burst each other once. Yeah, week. obviously that's the desire of the playing group is to one day, you know, play everybody once. Um, you know, I think we understand that this year, given COVID, coming off the back of COVID, we've got two seasons in one year, um, you know, the, the timing of, of the season, et cetera, um, you know, pushing out to, you know, playing everybody once is is quite a big big jump but you know it's certainly something um you know me personally i'd love to one day get to the stage where we are playing everybody once i think that that'll be like the fairest competition um and you get a really good sense of sort of where everybody sits um in the comp and you know hopefully that comes in the near future so in 2018 you guys win the grand final alice alice coming in as 
as you know, your, your captain for the day because captain, the captain was injured. So can you tell me about walking out, out of the race on grand final day and how do you compare that to your first time? I mean, you said the first time you mentioned there was people calling your name. I mean, this would have just been surreal. Walking out AFLW grand final day, people just absolutely screaming your name and then you, you guys get the win. Yeah, I mean, it was, again, I can sort of remember bits and pieces of Grand Final Day. I definitely don't remember all of it, which um, frustrates me at times. But um, I, I remember it was a it was cold. That's, that's right. It means you, it means you celebrated. celebrated I celebrated right hard. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. It was it was cold and, and windy. It was a horrible day uh, in Melbourne, and you know I remember getting off the bus we all caught the bus from Witten to um to Icon Park and you got off the bus and between the walk from the bus to the change rooms we were soaked um the rain was was bucketing down and um you couldn't have asked for worse worse uh, worse weather for a grand final and we remember warming up the rain was coming down so hard during warm-up it was like hitting us in the face or hitting us and it was hurting because it was so hard and cold and you know I think that definitely turned a lot of the crowd uh away um just because there's you know, it was a, a pretty crappy day in Melbourne. But nonetheless, I mean, it was still pretty incredible. The, the rain had stopped come, you know, game time. So we, we got sort of through the game with, with you know, very little rain. But, yeah, it was definitely a wet weather football, which I love my wet weather football. Um, I'd almost rather play in wet weather than dry weather sometimes. So, um, but, yeah, it was an incredible day, um, you know, great for our, our football club, great for everybody involved in, in our program. And, um, you know, hopefully it's not the last one. Hopefully we can get another flag in, in the very near future, if not this season. So can you tell me when that final siren goes, what thoughts are going through your mind? Yeah, I, I remember we, the, the ball was stuck on that wing right near the, the change or like the change rooms or the race or, um, you know, the benches and, and stuff. And um, we knew that there couldn't be long left. They were shorter quarters than what they are now. So we, we definitely knew there wasn't long left. And every time there was like multiple stoppages. after, yeah, yeah. We, we knew there wasn't long left. So we'll just jump on it and hope that we cause a stoppage. And I remember turning around every single ball, I'm like yelling to the bench, like, how long? Like, how long? It's got to be. Yeah. And they're like, 20 seconds, 15 seconds, 10 seconds. And I'm like yelling to them, like, how bloody long? Like, surely that's. <laughs> That's over and, you know, um, Brisbane get, get a good run on and you're like, oh, bloody hell, like they're off here yeah, and yeah. cramping in one calf because I'm cooked and, um, you know, Naomi Ferris slides in and, and takes that mark and and saves the day really. And, um, yeah, I think I was I was right next to Ash Utree and I think it was Emma Carney at the time and we pretty much, there's a photo of us just like lying on the ground um, on top of each other and, um, I guess, yeah, that siren goes and just everything, a, a, a rush of emotions come into play and you just want to try and find the, the closest teammate to you and yeah. jump and celebrate. And, um, yeah, it was it was an amazing feeling. So what about when you guys finally get to hold that grand final trophy and, you know, the parade's coming on, the crowd's, you know, going wild if they're, you know, there was a huge crowd, obviously, due to the weather. Can you tell me about that and what it's like and what that does for your team chemistry heading into the next season? 
Yeah, again, it's sort of one of those things you work for um, all year and, you know, to sit on the stage and, and hold the cup up and, you know, you look at that photo um, and think, you know, what, what an incredible time um, for our football club and for you individually. Um, you know, obviously you have a number of players that don't get to pull on the, the jumper on that day. So you, you, your mind, you can't help but think of those players. Um, you know, at the time, Katie Brennan had, had been suspended and, and missed a grand final win. So, you know, you think about all of those things, but um, at the same time, it takes a, a whole team to to win a flag and um you know i think for us again that was an end of the it was a start of an expansion year as well so you know we we got um crucified with our expansion and, and lost a number of quality players so yeah. um, you know the year after was nothing like the 2018 year which is incredibly disappointing but at the same time you look at some of the personnel that we lost that year to expansion teams yeah um, you know, it kind of makes sense that they were all incredible players. You lose Katie Brennan, um, I think it was a Monconti, Astor O'Connor, Emma Carney, Jenna Bruton. Like you throw out a couple of those names and there's some all Shallons in that that list and, um, you know, you lose some of those players and, you know, they're, they're big holes to fill. So, yeah, 2009 year wasn't a, a great one. It wasn't ideal, but at the same time we were kind of almost rebuilding um, even yeah. though we didn't reflect. Well, what about you guys? So it's you, Ali and Bailey Hunt who have sort of been the core group um, of the Western Bulldogs AFLW team in for the last seven, eight, nine years. Can you tell me about what that's like for you two to be, you know, pretty much the sole leaders of this group? Uh, yeah, I mean, it has its expectations, but I think, um, and, and, you know, we, we love leading the club and, and hopefully we do a, a really good job of it. But I think, you know, now is the time where we have an incredible group behind us. There's so many um, young players who are leaders in their in their own right. And um, I guess for now for us, it's about um, providing a, a pathway for those girls to um, really lead uh, our football club moving forward. You know, we're starting to get a little bit older and, um, you know, we're not going to be around forever. So, you know, it's kind of our responsibility now to, I guess, empower some of the younger girls to take a more leadership role within our club because at the end of the day they are the future of our football club and um, you know if they can learn a thing or two off um, Ali, myself, Bailey, um, could be a number of players you know they, they, they would have learned plenty off Bonnie Toogood, Izzy Huntington and, and the like so um, you know I guess it's our responsibility now is to um, grow some of our, our younger players because you can see that they're leaders they've got good good life qualities, both on the field, off the field. They're extremely hardworking. Um, we just now, you know, having lost some of our, I guess you could say, older players or our more experienced girls, it really yeah. provides them an opportunity, particularly this season, to come out of their shell and, and really step up. And we've already seen it in the first couple of weeks. Some of the younger girls are really taking ownership of the group and, um, you know, point, putting us in the direction that we need to. So, you know, as a, a slightly older player, I love seeing all of our younger girls um, take strides in their leadership. And, yeah, I think it's just sort of our responsibility to, to keep helping them where we can and, and hopefully, I guess, one day not get picked in a leadership group because it means that we've got other leaders coming through the, the club, which is super important. And I guess it all makes me and Ali um, redundant in our jobs, essentially, which is, you know, it's a good problem to have in a footy club when you've got lots of girls coming through yeah. pushing for leadership roles. Yeah, so can you tell me about this 2022 season for you? I mean, the 2022 season, you get picked as an All-Australian. Can you tell me about that? Yeah, obviously, um, you know, you don't sort of play footy to win sort of individual accolades, I guess, but, um, you know, it's something that I'll look back on and, and be really proud. I am super proud of it. Um, you don't always get picked in the All-Australian group. So, you know, to be picked for the first time, um, you know, I had a very, very interrupted 
pre-season, um, which I really thought was going to put me on the back foot, but um, I had some good people around me and, and tried to work you know, hard on my game in the areas that I could, even though I was sort of slightly injured through pre-season. And, you know, I guess, yes, you make the All-Australian team, but again, you can't really do it unless you've got a team of, of players behind you. So, um, you know, I think, you know, Ali was probably a little bit stiff not to, to make it as well. You could have easily sort of put her in that team as well, but, you know, there's a number of players across the comp that don't make it, but yeah, yeah. a little bit biased towards Al, but... <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, it's probably something that it just, I guess it kind of shows that I had a consistent year, which is as an athlete, that's all you, you hope for is to be really consistent and contribute to your team. So, you know, that's kind of the standard, I guess, for me now. Like I'd love to keep, um, you know, contributing weekly as much as I can and, um, you know, just enjoying my football and more importantly, we just love to get plenty of wins on the board where we, where we make finals and we push deep into the final series. Yeah, who's your favourite player to play alongside? Oh, it's a good question. Um, I mean, there's probably been a number of them throughout the years because our, our team has turned over um, a fair bit. But, you know, when I think about, I guess there's there's four OGs or originals left um, at the Western Bulldogs. So it's myself, Ali, Bailey Hunt and, and Kirsten McLeod. And, you know, I think when you've played a number of years with with people, you, you do build some really good relationships with them and um, they become family essentially. So, you know, I'm very lucky to have a couple of those girls who um, I've played a lot of football with, have been around for, the, you know, the last six years um, and become, you know, best mates with them. So I, I love playing with, with Al. I think she... Um, she sets the standard incredibly well for our group and um, she's someone that you kind of want to jump on her shoulders and, and, and get behind her. And if you can keep up with her, good luck because, you know, she does everything so well. And um, there's a lot of her game, which, which I don't have in mind and, and I wish I did. Um, and, you know, so I, I keep sort of trying to push to be as, as good as Ali. She's kind of the, the one that I'm always looking at. But at the same time, I look at some of our young girls that are coming through and, um, you know, they've they've had a different pathway to what some of us had and um, they're, they're very, very talented. Uh, and you can definitely learn a, a thing or two off some of our younger girls who have, um, you know, had some really good coaching and good pathway experiences and come into the game much better off than sort of what, what we were and um, if anything, we've, you know, got to, got to watch our backs yep. because they're coming for us, that's for sure. <laughs> well, what's what's your aim for this season? I mean, it's obviously to win, you know, a premiership with the young group of girls that you've got, but what's your personal goal for this season? Yeah, I think for me it's just about getting my my body right and, and, and making sure that I'm ready for round one. I've had a couple of operations at the end of the last season. So, you know, with a short turnaround, um, you know, again, there's been a number of players that miss this season or, you know, come in halfway through because they've, they've had injuries out of the back of last season and bringing the season forward. Um, impacts us a little bit so I think for me it's just about getting my, my body right and making sure that I'm ready to go for for round one and um, I just want to be really consistent similar to sort of last season and um, just being a consistent footballer contributing week in week out um, and more than anything I just want to um, you know I guess grow the players around me so that they've got some real confidence in their own ability and, um, you know, they can start to play some some really good football. So for me, it's about sort of, I guess, leading these girls um, to being the best footballers that they can. So we know all the AFL players, they, you know, train day in, day out or might have a rest day here and there. But can you take me through your training schedule, um, especially for AFLW players and, you know, managing full-time work? 
Yeah, it's definitely got its challenges. Uh, I think obviously for our group and it's, you know, it's very different depending on what, what club you're at, um, how many girls you do have that potentially work full-time versus um, or work casually or study um, part-time or whatever it might be. So, you know, for us at the moment, we're training Monday, Wednesday nights and, and Saturdays. So um, they're relatively big, long sessions. Um, you, you, you'll hear a lot of teams are now doing four or uh, three nights a week and a Saturday. And, you know, we thought about, doing that as well just so that the nights are potentially not so long and you can do some slightly you know shorter sessions but um you know every club's different in how they want to run their program so for us it's the two nights a week and um i guess a decent sized session on on the saturday and um you know the girls will do bits and pieces away from the footy club as well whether it be like a recovery swim or an extra gym session or or whatever it might be um, outside of those hours so yeah for me a, a, like a week is pretty hectic i you know i'm i've should be working nine to five Monday to Friday. But, you know, when you've got footy training and you need to be at the club at four, I often start, you know, work a little bit earlier so I can finish earlier. Um, so, yeah, between the two jobs, um, you know, one's full-time and one's very much a, a part-time job. So you're putting in, you know, a 60, 65-hour work week um, over the, the two sports or the two jobs, I guess. So, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty crazy. You definitely get to the Saturday afternoon or Sunday and you definitely want to have a day off and just veg on the couch and not move too far. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's about to start all over again. So, um, But, you know, as I said um, earlier, we're hope, hopefully moving towards a, a bit more of a full-time um, athlete sort of perspective or at least, a, you know, a, a better balance between not having to work sort of full-time and maybe going back to sort of part-time or casual, which will allow me to put some more time and effort into my footy. Yeah, absolutely. Just quickly, Kirsty, before we finish up, um, what's your best advice to anyone who wants to be a professional footballer or AFLW and they're a girl playing, you know, whether it be under 10s, under 12s, under 13s, um, and, and really wanting to go down that path of AFLW and, you know, be successful and win a premiership like yourself. Yeah, I think for me it's um, it's all about ha- having a go. And um, I think growing up as a kid, all I can remember is having heaps of fun with with my friends and just enjoying the game for, for what it provides you. And, um, you know, if there was any, any boy or girl out there, I would just say ask lots of questions. The more questions you ask, the more you learn about the game. Um, and, you know, that, that sort of information can sometimes be invaluable and, um, you know, it can really put you ahead of um, people of your own age group. Um, so, you know, don't, and the other, or the other one that I often go, go by is just don't say no to any opportunity. If you say no, it kind of closes a, a door that was open for you and that door yeah. might may not open again. Um, so I think it's really important to, you know, say, you can't say yes to everything in life, but say yes to as much as you can because you never know where that door might lead you. It might lead you to a, another opportunity. And, um, you know, if you want to get to the uh, elite level, it takes time and effort, it takes dedication, it takes work rate. Um, and so, you know, if you've got all of those attributes um, in your life, then you'll go a long way to, to making AFLW. Yeah. Thanks so much, Kirsty, for putting aside, you know, half an hour, 40 minutes or so of your time to come on and have a chat. It's been an absolute honour to have you on. No worries, Max. Thank you. Thanks, Kirsty. Stay tuned, everyone, for some more Sporting Max. This is Sporting Max with Max Becker on SEM.